0: So we are in a series called 40 Days of Prayer and uh, we've been in groups, small groups, and um, we've been going through this book, 40 Days of Prayer, and uh, almost every morning, I missed missed a morning, um, you go in and you read a scripture verse and you uh, answer just the same questions every day, but it just begins to start your day off. With prayer and seeing God, seeking God, and um, and then again for those of you who are uh, new to this whole thing of praying or reading your Bible or whatever, prayer is just a conversation with God. It's a conversation like you'd have with anybody, um, like you'd have with a friend. You know, you, you can you can pray sitting on the couch. You can pray watching a football game. I do it every week. Uh, I'm going to be doing it this evening. Uh, and so you, it, God, God wants to hear from you just like you would want to hear from your kids or uh, as you go and uh, your nieces or nephews or whatever or, you, you, or t- texting. You could, you could text God if you had his number. He wouldn't care. He's not interrupted by anything. Well, this morning what I want to talk about is how to pray through breakthrough. Pray for healing. Pray for restoration. And before I get started on that, um, I, I come realizing that not every sickness gets healed, that not every prayer gets answered, and we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit more next week. But I wanted to just give you some principles, four principles on how to pray through breakthrough, how to approach God when things aren't going very well. So uh, you, most of you know our story. At eight, uh, when our son Jesse was eight years old, he he started kind of zoning out and staring off into the distance and you know that was just I just thought he was becoming a man but uh <laughs> and so uh he he goes through this 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 process and of course Lisa who's way better than I am is like I think we should take him to the doctor so we take him to the doctor they run a um eeg on him and uh the doctor comes to me and says uh just super matter-of-fact, like, didn't brace me or anything. He says, your son has epilepsy. And, like, I, I like, take a breath, and I'm like, I don't don't even know what that means. Uh, I I didn't even know that there was types of seizures. And and this was before his seizures got progressively more um, disturbing. And so, uh, and he says this, this is going to be a long journey for you. And I'm like, man, like, like This is what the doctor says to me. Like, this is going to be a long journey for you. And so I get home, and I tell my wife, and we begin this process of praying for our son's healing. And so I guess my question for you this morning is, uh, what do you need healing for? I just wrote some things on here. Maybe your marriage needs healing. Maybe things aren't as great as they used to be. Maybe... You had some kids, you had some difficulties, or you had a layoff, or you had whatever, and the the fire isn't there anymore, or you've grown to become two different people. Maybe you need healing in your marriage. Maybe you need physical healing. Maybe you got pain in your back, chronic pain in your back, or you've got something going on, a tumor, a sickness, or what have you. Or maybe you just need physical healing for someone else. Maybe it's financial healing. Maybe you made some mistakes. Maybe... Financially, you, you were the culprit, you know, and, you, uh, and you, need, you need financial healing. Maybe it's emotional healing. Maybe you're battling with depression, anxiety, fear, bitterness. And you just, you just can't seem to figure it out. You can't seem to get, get over it. There's just an emotional thing. And, you know, you've, you're trying therapy. You're trying everything you can, and, and you just have broken. Maybe it's our nation, right? I mean, uh, and again, when I say that... Uh, <laughs> Half of you will have one prayer, and half of you will have another prayer, and uh, that's just a you problem. I don't know what to tell you, but uh, but but our nation, or 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 you know, we can pray for those who are marginalized in our in our nation. Just pray that they would be restored. Maybe it's your neighborhood, maybe it's your school. It doesn't really matter uh, whether or not God heals or restores in your particular situation. He does call us to pray. And so I'm gonna go over a verse, a section of scripture that, uh, where God tells the nation of Israel, when things don't go right, here's what you're supposed to do. And just to give you some historical insight, um, uh, uh, the first king of Israel was Saul, and then, um, then David comes. And he's kind of the most famous one because he killed Goliath and everybody most everybody knows that story. If you don't, there's a big giant. David had the thing, hit, used a sling, hit him in the head, knocked him down. There, he became king. So um, that's the that's abridged brid, version or whatever it is. So, um, so then he has this son, Solomon, who was the wisest man that ever lived. And he just brought a bunch of prosperity to Israel. And, um, but he began to start acting unwisely because no matter how wise you are, it's your actions that are most important. And so he began to make treaties with people around him instead of relying on God. And he began marrying a lot of the princesses from these different things so that they could have these, um, these treaties together. But he built the temple he built the first temple of God and it was beautiful and it was amazing. It had gold and all these things. And so they get done and God actually shows up in the temple as a cloud of, uh, of smoke. That would be awesome. Wouldn't that be great? Actually, no, that would be frightening, I think, now that I think about it. Like if God shows up like a thing of smoke. And so he, he just, so they, they, they have this, they, they begin to make sacrifices and they sacrificed 22 cattle and 120 sheep just to kind of—that's a—that's a lot. Oh, wait a minute! I'm sorry, I wrote that down wrong. 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep. Now, for you animal lovers, I get it. I totally understand. But just so you understand the sacrifices, okay? They don't sacrifice the animal and then just throw it into a pile, okay? These all got eaten, okay? So there's a lot of people in Israel. They've got this giant celebration. The temple's going on. They make all these sacrifices, and they all say this. He is good. His love endures forever. And Solomon gets done with this prayer, and everything is jamming, and God speaks. Now, if you go back into that time frame and you think about the temple and how beautiful it is, and I mean, this is like, like they just opened the doors, like paint's all fresh, no scuff marks on the floor, nothing. It is just like it's like one of those model homes that you go into. Everything's perfect. People are praising God. They're all, just to think of thousands of people saying, the Lord is good, his love endures forever, and just that giant throng, and you can smell the smoke of the sacrifices, and, and then God speaks wouldn't you want to really pay attention really lean in to what god would say to you at that time well that's what we're going to do right now he says i'm going to paraphrase the first part he says look this is all great love the party love what you did to the place okay so he he's he's excited about that okay But then he says, you know, there's going to come a time when there's a drought. And there's going to come a time when there's locusts. And there's going to come a time when there's plagues. And when that happens, this is what you're supposed to do. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and will heal their land. So in this, we find, um, we find four principles that we can do. Now, whether God moves in your certain situation or not, that is up to God. Uh, he decides. But these are four things that we can do to make sure that we're doing the right thing as we enter into those prayers. The first is this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. The first thing is choose humility. Choose humility. Choose humility. This is very difficult in our culture. We are very individualistic. We get outraged very quickly. We are very self-centered and self-focused. Um, not you guys, but I'm just saying for the most part. Uh, you guys are amazing. Um, uh, but, but God knows the tendency of, of humans, right? We just tend to be that way. We tend to be... see. The the, the original sin wasn't so much about a a fruit and a tree and all that kind of stuff. It it was to say, you know what, I think I know better than God. I think I'll manage my life better than God. And God says, when you come to prayer, when you're going through a a situation, uh, let's set that aside for now, realizing who you're speaking with. And so I just wrote some things down. There's so many things about choosing humility, but one is just to confess sin quickly, to not hang on to it. To be broke, when you're broken, when you go to God and you go, God, I'm sorry, I did it again. I was thinking those thoughts on the freeway and uh, that was bad and the gesture was worse, but I just want to say, I'm sorry. You know, confess those things quickly. Understand that we're broken and we live in sin and those things happen and so we confess our sin quickly. The second is to uh, forgive quickly. Ooh, wait a minute. Can you go back to slide one? Like, forgive quickly, yeah. Forgive quickly. That's, that's awfully humbling to be able to say that person wronged me and to be able to name it. And you can name it and you can admit it that they did wrong you and you can even name what it is. They borrowed $2,500 you know, and never paid it back or they stole from me or they ran off with the secretary on me or whatever it is. But then to forgive, to say, you know what? As I reflect on my own life, I've wronged others. Forgive us our debts as we forgive those, our debtors. Oh, no, I don't like this third one. I wonder how we can get past that one. Okay. Remain quiet. Isn't that hard? Oh, man, you're in a meeting and somebody starts to take credit for something you did and you're like okay <laughs> I just have to say something here right to be able to go you know what God's got my promotion God's got my career God's got who the next client's gonna be God's got you know this co-worker needs this more than I do I guess well I don't know but to remain quiet now just to be clear there are times you speak up when there's injustice." Uh, or those who can't, don't have a voice uh, are, can't, can't speak and you speak on their behalf. That's, that's justice and God is all about that. But self-promotion, self-correction, trying to make, make sure everyone understands what type of person I really am. It's more humbling to, to remain quiet. Serve. I put pick up trash because that's about the easiest thing you can do because when I say serve, you might automatically jump to like foreign legion and you're like, oh boy, I don't know. But just picking up trash, just having this idea of outward looking. What does that person need? That person looks sad. I can do that. One of the ways we do that here at Living Spring, uh, you heard from Pastor Michelle. She's our children's pastor. One of the best ways that you can humbly serve is to help the next generation come to know Jesus the right way. It's awesome, and you can sign up for that, and we, she does background checks and all that, so if you, you know, if you ended up in prison, and you, you probably won't, don't want to do that. Okay. Uh, look at this one. Befriend those who are other. You all have somebody who's other than you. If you're a Democrat, it would be a Republican. If you're a Republican, it would be a Democrat but there's other ones. Those who are other than you socioeconomically, those who are other than you racially, those who are other than you culturally, those who are other than you that have a different worldview. You say, John, have you, have you like put this into practice? And I have, I have a friend who's a Raider fan. And uh, <laughs> I didn't say it was easy to do it, I'm just saying it's humbling to do it. Uh, pray for your enemies. Pray for your enemies. You got a boss that you just is out to get you. Pray for that person. Again, politically, if you're on one side, do your best to pray for the other side. Pray for truth. Pray for things that you know God wants. Let the truth come out. Whatever, however it works. Pray for your enemies. Ooh, this one's a tough one. Allow yourself to receive critique. Mmm. That's tough. Isn't that humbling? To be able to listen to somebody critique you, that's, that's hard. And then lastly, admit, admit, admit weakness. Uh, and there, there's a ton. You can figure it out yourself. But uh, uh, there's a ton uh, in, in there to just choose humility. You choose it. Do you know that God will ne- well, he won't humble you? He won't humble you. You're like, well, I'd be really scared if God humbled me. He won't humble you. Everywhere humility is mentioned in the Bible, it says, humble yourself. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. Humble yourself. All through the Old Testament, God would say to the nation of Israel, humble yourselves, humble yourselves. Because the reason you can't be humbled is because he can't change you. You have to make those decisions. So, why why choose humility? I just wrote some verses down here. One is from Psalm 25, 9. He guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. God, I just want to know what to do. I just want to know what to do. Well, are you willing to humble yourself? And when I give you the answer, actually do it. Ooh, I want to humble yourself. And I will guide you. I will direct you. I will tell you the way you should go. We choose humility. The second thing we do is um, uh, Isaiah 66 two. These are the ones I look on with favor. So God loves us all, and He, and he, and he sees us all. But he, he gets there's something about there's a heart change in them. He looks at them with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit, and who tremble at My word, God, there's something He's drawn to those who are humble. Well, He's no different than us, right? Aren't aren't those the people you're typically drawn to? All those things I mentioned, somebody who serves somebody who's available to hear critique, somebody that remains quiet, somebody that befriends other. You notice that it doesn't matter what religion, they just go, they just befriend other. Uh, and so God looks on favor with that. And then the next verse is pretty, pretty strong. And it's also strong because James, that's in the New Testament, the Bible we've It wasn't meant this way, but we've put it into two testimonies, the new and the old. I don't know why we did that, but uh, it's basically just a series of writings is all the Bible is. He says in Isaiah, he says this, and then he says it again in James, God opposes the proud, Like, (laughs) like God is against the proud, he opposes them. He doesn't guide them. He opposes the problem, but shows favor to the humble. And then finally, Jesus gives this example. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and basically a yoke is just a, you know, if you've seen two oxen being tied together, that's the yoke. And so you go under, you have to humble yourself and go under that, and you are no longer in control when that happens. The good news is the ox next to you is Jesus, (laughs) and he'll do all the heavy lifting. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus modeled this humility. It says that though he existed in the form of God, he did not regard God, the equality with God, something to be held on to, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant. I think to myself, if God, if Jesus can do that, if Jesus can exist in the form of God and then empty himself and then come down in the form of man and, and have all the things that happen, you stub your toe, you, get, you know, all, all these different things and then, and then go through abuse and not raising a word in his defense, I can probably be quiet in this meeting, <laughs> right? That's his thing. So choose humility. Second is, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, it's number one, choose humility, and pray. That's the second thing. So how do we get through these things in our lives, through the difficulties of life? Well, we humble ourselves first, and then we pray. We ask God for help. This might seem obvious since we're doing 40 days of prayer, but it's fascinating to me, having taught on prayer, having read books on prayer, having you know, leading a church through 40 days of prayer, how often I don't pray. (laughs) I'm like, like I'm going through something, going through something, and and my wife will say all the time, have you prayed about it? I'm like, no, I haven't figured it out yet. (laughs) Like once I figure it out, then I'll know what to pray for. I'll have my list of needs. You know, like first I pray for the job, I go after the job, I get the job, and then I pray to have my boss kicked out of the company and then I can go in there, right? Like, let me get it all worked out first and then and then I'll pray. But, but it's, a, it's a great reminder. Pray. What, what, what is it that you're going through? Now here, here's the thing. This, this is what I struggled with a ton through my son's epilepsy. I would pray and nothing would happen. And I would pray and it would sometimes get worse. There was one time I actually thought I should probably stop praying because every time I do, it gets worse. Have you ever been in that, in that situation, right? So was your pastor, right? And, and, and I was a pastor at that time. If I can humble myself and just keep praying, Jesus said it this way, you knock the, the, the verb tense in the Greek of what Jesus was saying, you knock and you keep on a- knocking, you ask and you keep on asking. There's something that happens through this process. There's something that happens. We, we pray. He says this, Very truly I tell you, uh, My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name until now. You have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be complete. You think, oh my goodness, this is great. Anything. That's what I normally focus on. Right? Anything. But this is really important. <laughs> because as you begin to ask in Jesus' name, God begins to clarify some things in your mind. And so, you know, you say, Lord, I really want a Ferrari in Jesus. Ah oh, man, that's not gonna He's gonna say no to that. I mean you can't ask, but, but you, you you kinda get and here's how it would work in, in my life. As I was praying for healing for my son and I was saying, God, you know, we just pray for healing in Jesus' name. And I, and I just began to focus on what Jesus went through and what he promised he would lead me through. And I began to think of, you know, my, li- my life isn't designed to be lived in comfort And so maybe God is using this. Well, I know he's going to use it, but I just don't understand how. And so as I began to pray in Jesus' name and began to think think on who Jesus was and what the Bible says and the fact that it says in Psalm, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you are with me. Okay, God, I want healing from my son, but I I need your presence. I need your presence more than anything right now. In his name. James 5 14 through 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. The, anointing with oil is not a formula, it's not a magic trick, it's just a representation of the Spirit of God upon your life. That's all that is. Um, but but we, should, we should do it. We can anoint with oil and pray. Uh, uh, and, the, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they'll be forgiven. So uh, the idea of praying. When, when you guys fill out your connection cards, you're doing a form of this. When you write your prayer request down, there's a group of people, hand-selected, the elders of the church, if you will, the staff, the board, a few others, that pray over those things. And so when you write in that prayer request, it's a form of having a group of people join with you. We did this with Jesse. We brought him in and we anointed him with oil. We did all sorts of stuff. I, I, I told you a few weeks ago we had, one time I went to this conference and, and it was, the whole room was filled with pastors, right? <laughs> anyway, um, and so uh, my son happens to show up and, and they're like, hey, John, let's, let's pray for Jesse. And so the, like a hundred pastors like lay hands on him and we're in a group and praying with him. And um, God tells us to do that. Now, his healing didn't come right away. You know, it came uh, years later, but uh, we go through that process as God did. We have to pray. Ephesians six eighteen, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We humble ourselves and we pray. We ask God for help. Thirdly, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, number one, and pray and seek my face, this is a difficult one. My third point is this, seek God, not the miracle. Man, that's tough. I'm telling you, that is tough. Because oftentimes what we do is we seek the miracle and then we resent God. We seek the miracle and we miss God. We seek the miracle and we question God. We seek the miracle and we doubt God. All those things I said, I've experienced. I was seeking a miracle. And rightly so. You, you, you can. But if I can just be completely honest and still keep my job... Um, I feel like I missed a lot of opportunities during that time. I feel like because I was seeking the miracle and that's absolutely, you know, that's what you're praying for, I, I look back and I think to myself often, you know, could I have handled that better, Lord? And because he's such a great heavenly father and he's so full of grace and mercy, he says, yes, <laughs> it's okay. This next thing that's coming up, though, <laughs> you know, right? And so we seek, we seek God and not the miracle. And this is really difficult. For those of you who are seeking a miracle in your marriage and finances and relationships, it's hard to seek God in that because you just want the pain to stop, right? But this is one of the things he says. If you'd humble yourselves and pray and seek my face, we ask God, we seek God, not the miracle. In Psalm fourteen two, the Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind, okay, to see if there's anyone who, if there are any who understand, any who seek God. The, the Bible says that his his eye he, he he looks to and fro, looking for someone who's making this conscious effort. Man, is that hard or what? It's humbling to say, okay, the healing hasn't come yet but God, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to press in. I'm going to try and seek your face. If there's a refining that needs to be done in me, I, I, you, t- you tell me. What, what is it? What is it? I think I told you this one time when Jesse, his seizures were getting progressively worse and um, uh, he had gone a little while without one, and, uh, but they usually happen in the middle of the night. And so I woke up to, to it and I literally looked up in heaven and I said, are you kidding me? That's what I said to God. I'm so happy he doesn't strike us with lightning because <laughs> I would not have been to work the next day, that is for sure. But he's looking to and fro like, like hey, 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 eyes up here. Look, I, I, know, I know things around you, I know it's painful, I know that, but, but take, take a look at me. Take a look at me. Uh, we, uh, this happens with my kids all the time. I tell them the, the kids will be looking for something. And I'll say, well, it's right there. And they're like, where? I'm like, right, hey, dude, look, right here. See, oh, this is the same thing with God. We're praying, we're seeking, we're humbling ourselves. We're going, okay, God, where are you in this? And he says, seek my face. And he goes, this is what I'm trying to do. Oh, okay. Seek God, not the miracle. Hebrews 11:6 six says this, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. With a miracle? Sometimes. Absolutely. But this is what he's mostly concerned about. The reward might come some other way. You might become a person who's able to handle pain. You might become a person who is the best tool to help others get through pain because of what you've done. He says, I know it hurts. Look right here. I know it hurts. But I have a whole bunch of people over there that you're going to have to help. and I've got to get you trained up in this. I've got to help you get to be, a, be a, the type of person that can minister to those people. Does that make sense? That wasn't a rhetorical question. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> that's... You guys. (laughs) Seek God, not the miracle. Deuteronomy 4.29, but if there uh, you seek the Lord your God, you will find him if you seek with him with all your heart and with all your soul. Seek God and not the miracle. Lastly, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, oh man, and turn from their wicked ways. Ah, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will hear, heal their land. When we see things like wicked, sometimes we think in terms of like, well, glad I didn't do anything wicked. I just lied to the IRS. They have a lot of money, so I don't need, you know, right? We, we, we don't understand what sin, how God views sin. He, he views it as brokenness, not the way things are supposed to be. When you sin, while he is upset at the sin, what he's he's really upset with is, ah, oh, you don't have to do that. There's another way that's much more fulfilling in the long term. You know, if it, it's like it's an investment into a, an account. And, and, and when you sin, it's like a withdrawal and it, and he's like, no, 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 keep it in there. You're gonna you, you don't need you don't need it right now. And so he says, if you just turn from them, then I'll hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sin and heal their land. The fourth thing I have is a change of direction. A change of direction. You might be in a place in your life. Now, understand the theology here. What I'm not saying is, in order for God to dispense the magic miracle package from the vending machine, you have to be sinless, okay? It's just that because of, most things we're praying for revolve around brokenness. We're a broken world, okay? So um, it, we, we weren't designed to have disease. That wasn't the inti- initial design. We weren't designed to have um, marriages fall apart. We weren't designed for all those things. And so, be, so in order to, because of that brokenness, that, those things happen. Because of the broken world we live in, my son has e- epilepsy, and what God is saying is don't add to the brokenness, <laughs> Turn from those things. Like if, if, if the brokenness is just what naturally happens through that, that's, then we'll work through that. We'll pray through that. We'll seek his face through that. But don't add to it, by not in this case with Israel, by not taking care of the poor. Don't, don't add to it by worshiping idols. Like what, what good is that? He says this in Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper. It's just don't... You're going through something hard. Don't add to it because of sin. Whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. James 5.15, Therefore confess your sins to each other. Whew, going back to the humble part, you've got to be humble to be able to say to a buddy or to a friend, Hey, man, this is what I'm struggling with. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed bringing restoration, at least heal that part that you know you can have healed in changing the way you think. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Look what it says here in Acts 3.19. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out and times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Again, what I'm not saying is that when you stop sinning, then God starts doing, performing for you. It's that we just don't, if we're going through something, we don't want to add to it by the weight of our sin. And so God brings to that portion of our lives refreshing. Our relationship is restored with him. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, that's number one, as the worship band comes back up, and pray, number two, and seek my face, Number three, and change direction and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and will heal their land.